Hey, Glenn from Made by Folk here. In today's episode, I speak to Rick Lomas, who founded Superhigh, a company that offers online courses to help you learn to code. Rick left the UK a couple of years ago to move to the US to found the company. And it was really interesting to talk to him about uh, the struggles that he faced at the beginning and in general, just starting up in the, in the tech industry. And we had a chance to talk about their scholarship program, which is now open for applications. So if you've always wanted to learn to code, this is the time to apply. I think what Rick's done with Superhigh is really impressive on a variety of levels from branding and tone of voice to the product that they offer. And the, the courses are genuinely really great, especially compared to some of the other um, online material that's out there. So I hope you find this episode interesting. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So for anyone who doesn't know who I'm talking to today, give us a quick mandatory intro to who you are and what you do. Sure. Uh, hi, I'm Rick Lomas. I am the CEO and founder of Superhigh. Um, we are an online code and design school for creatives all around the world. We teach in 77 different countries right now in 15 or 16 different time zones. And we have a lot of very creative people taking our courses and buying our products. For me, it'd be really interesting to hear kind of what what made you start super high what what initially gave you the drive or motivation to set up your own company and move to the US yeah i'll start with the US thing actually um my wife got a job in uh, new york at new york university and for me it was always a case of I work on the internet, so I don't really mind where I work. I can actually take what I do and just kind of transplant it anywhere else. And because of that, I kind of felt like, why have something like a code school or a design school that's just in one place? We were kind of missing out. I used to run a code school in London called Steer, and we were a classroom, and people would come on Monday morning and leave on Friday evening. And I always kind of felt like we were missing a lot of people because if you were coming to one of these schools, you had to kind of carve out five days, you had to travel to London or live in London, and you had to be in a certain place at a certain time. And I kind of felt like, you know, we, we had people traveling from Denmark all the way to London just for our schools. And I was kind of like, that's very flattering, but you can learn this stuff with us from anywhere. And I always wanted it to be a more online kind of first experience because you were learning digital skills and it's like why have digital skills in a classroom when you're doing this stuff on the internet anyway so for me it was kind of like how do you take that um you know the classroom stuff does have a lot to it you are in certain place you're interacting with people how do you kind of replicate that thing of being in a certain place online and the, you know there's kind of upsides and downsides to both and we're trying to replicate what we have in a classroom space but online and kind of give a lot of that kind of attention that you would generally get and because we can do it online uh we we basically can hire people 
people from all around the world and we can hire the best people in the world as part of that uh, we're a remote company we kind of can have people who we've got one guy who lives on a farm in Scotland we've got people who live in Brooklyn we've got one person who lives in London and it's like we can pick all these best people from all around the world and I suppose kind of going back to the question of why even start this in the first place I think it was more just I don't know you kind of have to be a little bit arrogant unfortunately to start a business because you're thinking like I can do this better than anyone else in the world Um, and I'm not a kind of generally arrogant person but you know there is that kind of part of me which is like how people are learning right now kind of sucks and it's not really targeted to creatives and there's a lot of kind of design and code schools which are very mainstream they're kind of trying to teach everyone in the world to code all of these kind of digital skills weren't applicable to everyone and people learn in different ways and i wanted to take something that was very much a creative style to the way that people were being taught this these skills and i think you know learning to code or learning digital skills isn't for everyone and I know there's a big push for everyone should learn to code like journalists should learn to code and uh, the milkman should learn to code and it's like that's fine but you know the people who need it the most are the people who are working in these kind of media already so you know designers and photographers and illustrators they're the ones that kind of need these skills a lot more and the way that they learn is completely different than the way that a milkman would learn so we just wanted to kind of take how a a little bit more kind of niche way to do things and kind of say you know it's not for everyone we've been a little bit more specialist but because we're being specialist this is kind of how we think that these people would learn quicker and a lot better than a kind of mass market kind of version of what we try and do yeah i think that's a really good point i think my my worry was always when when i was trying to learn some code and by i'm by no means yeah. uh gifted in uh, uh development <laughs> but um when i was trying to do online classes i always felt that i needed the the physical class just to kind of force me into like a routine yeah i guess yeah. because you guys have been so much more specific to a, a target group it means that you can really try and tailor your courses to you know like how people like me are working and how much time they have and how they get into that routine of learning I mean, a lot of people kind of ask us, like, you know, can I do this part time? Can I do it at the weekends? Uh, All of the courses that we try and do are very flexible on purpose because, you know, we know that people are busy. We like most of the people that we have on our courses, probably like 95 percent are either full time people or freelancers. And they're not they you know, I don't think that people should quit their jobs to go on a course in for a three month course because I don't know it just feels very privileged to have the ability to say I can quit my job for three months and go and learn something else and you know there are universities and there are ways to do this uh, in different ways but you know you shouldn't have to quit your job to learn skills that help your career and that was something that we kind of build into what we do is you know how do we make this both affordable and also you know flexible on purpose because you know not everyone has time to kind of spend 10 12 15 hours a week or even 40 hours a week to learn these skills so we kind of almost like reverse engineered it in a way like what would be you know the thing that i would want to go in and what would be the thing that people that i know would want to go on and it's kind of reversing that a little bit and going like well 
how much time do people have each week and what is the maximum that they can actually spend doing this stuff and how do we build those courses that kind of fit around that like you know for instance one of our biggest courses is an eight-week course and it's around about four hours a week and the way that we design it is in kind of almost like modules so you can kind of dip in and out so you know you could spend an hour a day doing it so you could spend one evening for four nights you can spend a whole day at the weekend doing it in the binge um, and we're trying to make it a lot more flexible and obviously because it's tailored to creatives and designers um, we we want it to be like a fun experience not like homework or at the end of the day having to like trudge through this kind of like oh, I've got an extra hour of work to do at the end of the day like we want it to be quite fun and quite creative on purpose so you know most of the things that we teach are flexible and can be re-engineered and rethought about and remixed um, and it can kind of you know we want to kind of ignite that creative spark of like oh cool I can do this and it's not as hard as I initially thought Where do you see Super High moving forward? Like, where where do you want to get to? I mean, we at the moment most of the, the kind of courses that we do are around digital coding, so mostly about HTML, CSS, JavaScript, that kind of thing. Um, but in the long term, we kind of want to move away just from coding to kind of more areas of uh, digital skills and creative skills. So we kind of want to broaden that range of not only courses but also products that we do. And the kind of, I suppose, mantra that we try and say to ourselves is, how can we do things that help the creative industries and And that doesn't necessarily mean courses or books or whatever we do right now. And it could be a total, total change in what we do. If we see a kind of thing where it's like, you know, people in the creative industries are struggling to find work or their flow of money on freelance is something that's patchy. Is there ways to kind of do help there rather than it just be like, we're just an education company that teaches people to code. We're trying to look at it in the, how do we help the creative industries in a kind of bigger sense? And, you know, we're starting with things that we already know. Like I was a coder, I teach a lot of stuff in the past, but I want to kind of expand that into different areas as well. So it's not just coding, it's not just design skills, it's not just courses, it could be anything that helps creatives. You know, that's not going to be like instant and it's not going to be like we're not suddenly going to have 10 products overnight. But I think in the long term, it's definitely going to be like a lot. We're trying to move away from that kind of idea of just one thing that we do. Hmm. Yeah, I think that sounds like a really good idea. Getting into one niche, first of all, establishing a way of working and and I guess a brand that people recognize and trust and then expanding um, into different fields from there is definitely the best way of doing it. So now that you've, I mean, how long has Super High been going now? How many years? Um, two years. Two so years. we started in October 2016. Um, wow. So yeah, it's been two two years and a month. Awesome. And um, what do you what do you feel like now? You've got two years behind you. What did you learn along the way, or what did you underestimate <laughs> when you when you first set up Super High? I think the kind of main problem was like just overworking myself and just kind of really like trying to do too much. And you see a lot of people who like hustle, hustle, hustle online and they're the kind of worst people to kind of listen to. Um, 
and you don't see the kind of underlying backstory of like how they've got to that point and you know just a kind of quick example of uh, like Gary Vaynerchuk who's the kind of biggest proponent of hustle you know he was given a business by his dad and it was already turning over millions and it's like it's easy to say hustle when you've already got that start and you know I'm kind of always trying to acknowledge things like the, the privilege that I have as a kind of like white guy who can easily raise things like VC money in New York and you know with that there kind of goes things like how much time actually should I spend on this per week and for a while I was working pretty much seven days a week and been doing that for probably about two years until quite recently actually um, I was working you know probably about 10 till 8, 7 days a week. Um, so in the office every weekend trying to do stuff. And I think just kind of getting things in place over the last few months to kind of go, I need some kind of system so I can kind of like not be in the office every single day. And I think you by doing that, you start to think about all the little things, like what is the most urgent things. And you kind of get trained Pavlov's dog style into like, firefighting all of this stuff and not thinking about a bigger vision um, where it's like okay this needs fixed in this needs fixed in this needs fixed in and it's not stepping back and going like how can we fix this in a bigger way uh, rather than like alright small little fixes everywhere and I think for me it was kind of like you know, with spending so much time on it, I think it was also just like, you know, I was getting fatter because I was just stress eating and then I wasn't sleeping very well and I wasn't exercising. And I think, you know, those were the kind of biggest mistakes that kind of I started with is, you know, just really kind of not looking after myself and just both like physically and mentally as well. And just kind of like putting, you know, the kind of cliche of 110% into a business and not just kind of sitting back and going like, cool, right, you know, what what should this actually be? And what what is the kind of like, like we just talked about, the bigger vision for this mm -hmm. stuff? And I guess it's tricky at the beginning when you're, when you're just putting, you know, the first couple of months and you're really trying to make that idea happen. It's probably difficult at that point to really see the big picture because you're just trying to figure, figure out what that picture even is showing you. Yeah, and I mean, even with like, um, we have like five staff in total at the moment. And I think people think that we're a lot bigger than we actually are. Um, and I think with that, you know, you, you kind of have that pressure of people depending on you to do things and, you know, paying their bills. And uh, that kind of comes with that kind of stress of like, okay, people are relying on me. So let's try and do as much stuff as possible in the short a time as possible. And, you know, I think we're in the kind of rare position of being a startup that, you know, doesn't lose money every month. And, you know, we are, you know, yeah, thank Cheers you. Cheers to that. Um, I know. And, you know, it's kind of a rare position to be in. Um, so, you know, what we try and do is like, I think that's kind of helped to get that pressure off a little bit, knowing that we can like survive <laughs> for a long time. And for me, it's like that kind of condensement of those last two years where I've just been like stress working. Um, now we can get to the point of like, you know, how do we make this a 20, 40, 100 year company? Like that's kind of where I want it to be in the long term. I don't want it to be like, you know, let's put loads of investment money into kind of shoot for the stars and yeah, explode which is a lot of what a lot of companies do um, I think it's like trying to do it in a sensible way that kind of makes it a lot more 
safe for not just like the customers and students that we have, but like the staff and what is most helpful for the creative industry in general. Like, I know I kind of go back to that. How do I help as many of the creative industry as possible? But I think that's kind of true. It's like, you know, me burning out by like spending every single day in the office doing 10 to 8 probably isn't actually the best thing for me but also the best thing for the company and also as kind of partly what is the best thing for like what we can do for the creative industries as well So you were you mentioned that you're five your team's um, five people, yep. and yep. I, I presume you're you said someone's based in Scotland, someone's based yep. in New York with you. So you're you're a remote team. Yeah, we're fully remote. Um, we are in four different countries. So there's two in New York, there's one in Toronto, one in Scotland, one in London, um, and that was kind of basically from my point of view like how I wanted to run a company was like I wanted to hire the best people in the world and not just like the best people in New York and because we can do that we get a lot of people applying for our jobs we get a lot of talented people you know last job that we did we had people like in I think we had like 500 applications from like all over the world and it's it's very flattering that people want to work with us I'm like you know, this small startup, it's, you know, a bunch of people all around the world is kind of like really flattering. Um, but with that as well, it's like we, we were looking through all these kind of people and it's like such a range of different people that we can actually work with. And it's so hard to kind of pick what you kind of want from that. And I don't know, it, it, it's nice that people want to work with a remote company. I feel like there's a bit of a move towards that in the long term where, you know, I was, I've been freelance for such a long time and working with remote uh, companies anyway. So, you know, when I was working with lots of small startups as a freelancer, it was generally me not being in the office with them. I would be sat in my own office, even if it was in the same city, do my work and working with them. And that didn't really matter too much of being in the same office. Things got good, things did work and things got done. And I think that kind of led me into thinking like, if, if I want to build courses that are online and people are going to be not in the same place as us, surely that also leads to people not being in the same office as us. And if we can work remotely and make it work, then people can learn remotely as yeah. uh, students with us. So, you know, that was kind of initial thinking of like, you know, part of me was how, how do we do this in the best possible way? Where is it a bit, is it a bit hypocritical to kind of go, anyone can learn online, but then have all the staff in one place and it's not, I don't know if it's hypocritical, but I think, you know, we can definitely, if we can make tools that work for us and make things and processes that work for us, and that kind of translates well into like how we teach as well. Because if we're seeing that, say, you know, a staff member feels isolated, then surely then customers might feel isolated in the same way so how do we make them feel how do we make staff members not feel isolated how do we make students not feel isolated and you know it's never a, it's not a perfect solution but I think there's definitely ways that we've kind of worked towards like fixing those kind of issues 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, you guys have always been like helping out people to try and get people who maybe couldn't afford the course or were uh, struggling to get started uh, with development and coding um, yep. into super high. And you guys are running a scholarship uh, at the beginning of the year or when does it start? Yeah, so it's pretty soon, um, middle of November to middle of December. Um, we're doing an open scholarship so anyone in the world can apply. Um, you'll win basically all of our courses, uh, which is, um, 10 different courses in lots of different skills and open access so you can take them anytime you want and uh, yeah like last the last scholarship we did we had a lot of people apply uh, it was very popular and we picked some really good people who've done a lot of really great things with it as well like we're still seeing the results from that already um, and it's great to see like people who definitely wouldn't be able to afford the courses that we do right now take 10 different courses that we do and actually apply real skills to them you know we've had people on our courses get jobs change careers go freelance um even get promotions doing this stuff so i think it's very important to you know take what we're doing with scholarships we try and do them you know three or four times a year and really try and like see what these people can do with them amazing so what do the people have to do to be able to apply um, they just need to go to our website, supai.com, and uh, find the scholarship page and apply. Um, it's a very short scholarship ap uh, application. Uh, we send it to a judge and we take away your name and email address. So um, we don't get any kind of bias or we'll, we try and reduce as much bias as possible. Um, and we judge it based on application. So our judge basically picks who they find the, the most applicable for this. So make your application's good, uh, as fast, make them as good as possible, and uh, our judge will pick the best winner. Amazing. Yeah, anyone that has a chance to do this should definitely try and apply. We'll link everything on the website below. Rick, thanks very much for talking to me today. Thank it's you very much. Pleasure. To find out more about Super High, their courses, and how to sign up to the scholarship, head to superhigh.com. We also recorded a video of this chat, which you can watch on madebyfolk.com. The music on this episode is brought to you by Mammal Sounds. The track is called Milk and Honey by July. You can listen to the full track on our website. If you like this episode, make sure to share it with your friends. And we always look forward to reading your feedback on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Twitter.